All right, so we're going to pray, and then we're going to look into God's Word this morning. So, Jesus, we do trust you. Um, We don't simply believe that you're real. We don't simply believe that you existed, although we do. But we trust you Um, as a person, relationally. We trust you. We trust all you said, all you did. And we trust that you trusted the Bible. You trusted the Old Testament by your statements. You trusted the New when you told the disciples that the Holy Spirit will remind them of all the things you've said. So we trust you as we look into your word today. Would your Holy Spirit, would you uh, open up our eyes and our ears so we can see and hear uh, what you want us to see and hear? And then would you show us our next step so we can become the people who are full of life and power that come from you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Opening statement. If I were more like Jesus, then all my distressing, uncomfortable, painful, unpleasant emotions would all go away. Most of us probably haven't said that, but if we're honest, most of us probably think that's true. If I was more spiritual, more like Jesus, more godly, all these distressing emotions that we all experience, if you're honest, uh, would go away. And by distressing emotions, it could range from the mad category of I'm angry, I'm envious, I have rage, could go to the sad category where I'm really sad, I'm disappointed, all those things in that category. could also go to the fear category, I'm anxious, I'm afraid, I don't know what's going to happen in my future. But those are all emotions that we'll call distressing emotions And we tend to have this mentality, I do, and I'm guessing you do too. Well, if I were more like Jesus, then those should all go away. Um, It's a false belief. We're going to talk about that today. We're going to talk about what, what does Jesus, how does he help us in the midst of distressing emotions, all right? I'm, I'm going to, if we could pass these out real quick. I forgot to, let me grab one for myself. So, uh. When again, when I say distressing emotions, I'm going to read to these cards get past that. I mean emotions like disappointment, hurt, despair, guilt, sadness, depression, grief, misery, irritation, agitation, anger, envy, frustration, jealousy, hatred, fear, nervousness, anxiety, dread, and panic. And if you haven't experienced any of those in the last 24 hours, you don't need to be in church because you've made it, right? You don't need Jesus, right? You've made it. But we all have. We all have these what I'll call distressing emotions, all right? So what I did was... On the one side of your card, there's, I just found this. This was not a sermon I was planning to preach today. I actually was working on, I have two sermons that were ready this week. And I just felt like this, and I, which I never do, but this is one I, but uh, on this uh, yellow side of the yellow card, the distress tolerance scale, I just, sometimes I like just looking at these things. So you're not going to write on these, but if you were, talking about distressing emotions, what's your tolerance? Which, we're not going to send you a psychiatrist. Strongly agree to. Again, we're not going to write them down. We're not going to score them. We're not going to send you a psychiatrist or anything. Let me just read through them. Feeling distressed or upset is unbearable to me. Strongly agree. When I feel distressed or upset, all I can think about is how bad I feel. I can't handle feeling distressed or upset. My feelings of distress are so intense. Now, I'm going to tell you this, this sermon this morning came from... Something I read this week just kind of picked my thoughts. And then one of our kids had something distressing happen in this week. Not life-threatening, nothing like that, but it was distressing. All right? Um, 
The last couple days, I had something distressing happen. Our septic backed up in the basement, right? Now, you might, that's not, wasn't distressing because my daughter's distress, and I'm not making light of all the distressing emotions, but I experienced distressing emotions in the last couple days, all right? What's going on? Number six, I, can't, I can tolerate being distressed or upset as well as most people. My feelings of distress or being upset are not acceptable. I mean, you might think that's... Number eight, I'll do anything to avoid feeling distressed or upset. Nine, being distressed or upset is always a major ordeal for me. Number 11, I'm ashamed of myself when I feel distressed or upset. Number 12, my feelings of distress or being upset scare me. 14, I'll do anything to stop feeling distressed or upset. 14, when I feel distressed, I must do something about it immediately. All right? This actually came from a research on distressing emotions. So, I, so when, I was, when I was reading about some stuff this week and then I was looking at Scripture, so we're going to talk about this. So go to the next slide. We've been doing a series called, Do You Want to Be Healed? In the sense of that Jesus, yes, we know Jesus healed blind men, lame, you know, all kinds of physical healing. But when you read about Jesus' mission, according to him, in Luke chapter 4, he talked about his mission was to come to bring healing. Another interpretation, another definition of the way that word looks in the Bible is wholeness. He came to bring healing and wholeness to all of us. Not just physical stuff. Yes, he does that. But his mission was the wholeness of the human being, you and me. Healing, whole, wholehearted, all right? So Luke chapter 4, so the subtitle of this whole series is Encountering the Love of Jesus. How do we encounter Jesus? So Luke chapter 4, this is the mission of Jesus according to Jesus, all right? And I'm saying this because we tend to think the mission of Jesus was to get us into heaven after we die. Yes, that's a true statement, but that wasn't his primary mission. That was a fruit of his mission. His mission was his primary mission to forgive us our sins. Yes, but that really was not, that was an outgrowth of his mission. His mission was this. Let's read it out loud with me, all right? Here we go. This is Jesus. He was actually reading in the temple in Nazareth. It was his turn to read on a certain day. He wasn't yet the Messiah, but he read this, and it was from Isaiah chapter 61. And every Jewish man, woman, and child knew this was about the one who would finally turn the world back where it was supposed to be, all right? Join me in reading this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. He read that, and then he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, he's saying this scripture from the book of Isaiah, six or seven hundred years ago, it's talking about me. And it said the people kind of were in awe as he sat down. Now then after that they wanted to kill him. It was kind of weird, but he, this was him. And I've said before, I used, I used to read this thinking, I'm sure I'm glad Jesus came for those kind of poor, broken people, you know, those on the, on the dredges of society. But he's talking about you and me here. It's us. It's not just the broken people, because we are the broken people. We are the blind. We are the poor. We are the oppressed. So Jesus came to bring healing to us. All right? So um, today I want to here's, here's the topic of the day then. Let's look at the distressing emotions of Jesus. Go to the next one. Yeah. So if distressing emotion, if, if we're more like Jesus... 
shouldn't we deal with our distressing emotions? And I'm saying that because our distressing emotions usually come from some of our own brokenness or woundedness or whatever else. And this is not like psychobabble. This is really, I think, understanding of how God changes our lives. So if distressing emotions are bad or unhealthy, then let's look at the distressing emotions that Jesus experienced. And when you think about that, it's like, wait a minute, if he experienced... So let's... So flip your card over, because I'm just going to look at those. There's four passages back there, all right? And, and most of the distressing emotions of Jesus, not most of them, a primary amount of them took place pre, right before he was going to be crucified, arrested, tortured. But also, even in the early part of his ministry, he would get angry at the Pharisees. He would, get, he would grieve over the city of Jerusalem because they weren't, they weren't listening to God. So angry, grieved. You could even say he was irritated and agitated when he cleared out the temple. But these are his emotions during a real, real, real stressful time of his life, all right? So Matthew chapter 26, the first verse on there. Uh, they took, then, then he took uh, Peter, and, Peter and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and became anguished and distressed. All right, anguished is... To be feel pain, sorrow, distressed is uh, to be full of anguish. To the and then he said this, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. I mean, that's like uber grieved. So think about times when you felt really sad or overwhelmed with sadness or grief because of something that happened. All right? Jesus feels that. Mark chapter 14 he took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. Again, this, there's a sense of these as overwhelmed. So you, you know what Jesus felt like there. To some degree, you've been overwhelmed with distress. Something's going wrong in your family, in your life, in your money, with your kids, with your health, with your future. Or in my case, in a real small way, with my septic tank, Right? You know what distressing emotions are like. And I'm not, I'm not trying to correlate septic tank with Jesus, but you know what I'm saying. We know what that's like. So then in uh, Luke 22, he prayed more fervently. This is again in the garden. And he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell like ground to the ground like great drops of blood. And that agony of spirit just simply means it's agony of spirit and kind of a violent struggle within emotionally. So sometimes, I think I was brought up in an environment where nobody ever said it this way, but it was kind of understood that strong emotions really are a result of the fall. If you were a godly person, those, you wouldn't have those emotional distresses. That's a false theology. But sometimes we tend to think that emotional, and we're not, we don't want emotionalism. That's over the top, you know, when you're driven by your emotions. But our emotions are part of how God made us, obviously, because Jesus felt them. So, and then the last one on the card here, this is it, Jesus, again, right, this is the days before he was arrested. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? for this very reason that I came, all right? So now I think the next slide, go to the next slide. Deeply troubled, anguish, distress, crushed with grief, agony of spirit. 
Those are, those are the words that were used to describe Jesus. Some were out of his own mouth describing his distressing emotions. Have you ever felt any of those? Of course you have. And it could be for a small thing. It could be a, for a big thing. It could be for grief. Big grief, small grief, 48-point font grief, six-point grief, small problems in your car or your house, big problems with one of your kids or death or sickness. But we felt those, and if you're like most people, especially those of us who follow Jesus, we feel those, and we, we feel almost bad about feeling these. We're not sure what to do with this. We're not sure what to do with disappointment, despair, grief, misery, and we tend to want to get out of it quickly. And we sometimes, our prayer is, Jesus Help me not feel this anymore. And we tend to think that's what Jesus is supposed to do. Like I said earlier, we tend to think that if I'm living the victorious Christian life, these emotions should not exist in me. Now, I would say they shouldn't control your behavior, but do they exist in you? So, now, what, what happened in Jesus a couple different times, uh, like when he was being tempted in the wilderness by Satan... And he had, some, he had some distressing emotions. The Bible tells us when it was all over, an angel came and ministered to him. So Jesus had supernatural engagement in the middle of his distressing emotions. Even when we, when we read of, uh, in Luke 22, when he was praying in the garden, it says an angel appeared to strengthen him. So now you're thinking, well, that's, you know, Jesus gets this supernatural strengthening when he's in distressing emotions. I'm not Jesus. So what do we do? How do we handle distressing emotions? Because we, uh, maybe, maybe we have angels. But, so let's, Jesus, Jesus experienced those. Now we're going to talk about this. The distressing emotions of, and put your name in the blank. The distressing emotions of Matt. The especially emotion, distressing emotions of Paul or Tom or Roberta. You know, let's talk about our own distressing emotions. And where does Jesus meet us in those? How does he meet us in those? Does he meet us in those? Or should we get out of it as fast as we can? And again, I was planning another sermon, and I worked on this one, and then I had this, you know, my daughter had a distressing situation. I, I'm, you know, I'm not equating septic tank, but it's distressing, right? Um, it, it smelled, all right? It still does, all right? So I had distressing emotions. So I actually was kind of thinking yesterday about this sermon when I was walking up and down my stairs with wet towels that were soaked with stuff that didn't smell good. All right, and I was like, <laughs> I wasn't expecting. I wanted to sit down, watch football today. I didn't like this agitated, distressing, deeply troubled. And I'm not trying to overplay it, but I'm just saying we know what those feelings are like. So now... Let's look at the distressing emotions. I'm going to go look at the distressing emotions the disciples experienced. And how did Jesus respond to them in those situations? So just leave it on here because we're disciples. So I'm going to be reading about the emotions of like Peter, James, John, and those kind of guys. So we're disciples, so you can put your name in the blank too. All right. So Matthew chapter 14, just leave this slide up. Matthew chapter 14, this is when storm on the sea... Jesus is walking on the water. It says, when the disciples saw Jesus walking on the water, they were 
terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. How does Jesus respond? Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm here. All right? In their distressing emotion of being afraid, Jesus said, I'm here. It's me. All right? John chapter 14. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. So your heart feels troubled? Jesus said, he's assuming that might happen, but don't let them stay that way. Don't let them stay troubled and distressed because, trust me. These may be sounding, to me they sound like simplistic answers, but it's me, I'm here. Trust me. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily removing the distressing situation. He did, what, he did when he calmed the storm, but sometimes he doesn't remove the distress. He just says, in the midst of your distress, it's me. I'm here, and you can trust me. John chapter 14. He's talking to the disciples this is the, uh, shortly before his res- crucifixion. He said, I'm going to ask the Father. He's going to give you another advocate, the Holy Spirit, who will never leave you. And this is in the context of him saying, this is gonna, it could get rough for you guys in the next couple weeks, days, and years of your life. And it did. But Jesus said, never leave you. All right? I, I, I'm here. It's me. Trust me. I will never leave you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. So we think Jesus had an advantage of angels ministering to him. We have the Holy Spirit in us ministering to us. John chapter 16 Jesus says this to the disciples, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on the earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Jesus said that. You will have distressing emotions. You will. But take heart. I've overcome the world. So he didn't say... You're going to have peace in me, and I'm going to clear the way in front of you. You're not going to have any kind of distressing situations. No, he said, you will have trials and sorrows. But I've overcome the world. And you're going to have peace in me. I'm here. You can trust me. I'll never leave you. You can have peace in me in the midst of those situations. And then Hebrews chapter 4 we're told that the high priest of ours, Jesus, he understands our weaknesses. Well, of course, we just read about all the distressing emotions Jesus had that none of us have experienced to that degree. So if he knows what that's like, he knows what we feel like. He understands our weaknesses for he has faced all the same testings we do, but yet he did not sin. So maybe I could paraphrase a little bit. He faced all the same distressing emotions that we do, Yet he did not sin. So, Hebrews writer says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most. So, in the disciples' scripture, they're terrified, they're troubled. Jesus, you're going to have trials, you're going to have sorrows, you're going to have testing. You will have distressing emotions, but, but, He says, don't be afraid. 
It's me. Have courage. I'm not going to leave you. You're going to have peace in me. And I've overcome the world. You see, because here's my, here's my statement I want you to kind of hang on to today. Go to the next one. Jesus will heal us not from our distress, but in our distress. And honestly, this was a light bulb for me this week in my own personal life. Not that I didn't know this, but it was like, wait a minute. Jesus, I thought your job was to kind of get rid of all this stuff in my life that's distressing me. But just like Jesus had to go through it, so might we. But Scripture tells us Jesus will heal us in the midst of those distressing emotional situations. He may not make the sadness go away. And we wish he would. We wish he'd be like the Santa Claus of emotions. Take those away. Give me, give me happiness. Take this situation away from one of our kids. Give them what they need. And yeah, you can pray that way. We can pray that way. God hears our prayers. But I think it's important to realize he heals us in the midst of our distress. We think healing, or maybe I'll speak for myself. I have falsely thought at times in my life the healing would come if Jesus just removed the distress from me. If he just rescued me from the distress. But maybe his rescue is in the midst of distress. We start to remember him saying, I'm with you. I'm in you. I'll never leave you. You can have courage. I've overcome the world. This will not destroy you. But it sure feels that way, Jesus. No, but I'm with you. Silly analogy, I know. But I'm walking up and down the stairs yesterday with these stinky towels, and I'm thinking, okay, Jesus, are you with me in this? And, I, and it made me kind of think, okay, he knows what I'm going through. But we, we tend to forget when we're going through, when I've had times where I felt really distressed emotionally about a variety of things in my life, we tend to think I better get this calmed down before I can invite Jesus to be a part of this with me. When I think Jesus would say, no, invite me to be a part of that with you. You're not going to with you. I'm not going to leave you. I know exactly what you're going through, and I can help you walk through this with a deep sense of peace, even though you might have situations that will understandably cause distressing emotion. But you can have peace in the midst of sorrow. You can have peace in the midst of the heightened tenses we ha- the things we have. But we have to understand, and maybe sometimes what we have to do is invite Jesus into that situation. Invite Jesus into your son or daughter's distressing situation. Invite them into how you process that distressing situation. Invite Jesus into your bank account, your health records, all those things. And there will be a peace that he promises in the midst of those things. You know, it's interesting. I, uh, some of you uh, were here years ago, but one of the Sundays, I did a variety of interviews one Sunday from, from, of different religious leaders. And it was, there's a reason about it. I was trying to focus on Jesus. I had a Mormon elder. I had um, somebody that was Muslim. But I also interviewed uh, um, Tibetan Buddhist monastery. It wasn't the Dalai Lama. I didn't get him. But whoever was in charge, I can't remember the guy's name, but he was a Tibetan monk. Um, and so when I went over to his place over the monastery and I was talking to him to kind of prepare for the interview, and there was a woman there, an American, Anglo, and I was like, she was his personal assistant, and I said, so how did you, how did you 
become Tibetan Buddhist. She goes, well, I grew up Catholic. I grew up teaching in a Catholic school. So I grew up believing in Jesus. And I said, well, what, why are you here now? And she said, I, 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 it was very vivid for me when she said this. She said, I didn't like the images of Jesus on the cross because I didn't like the feeling that there should be pain. She didn't use this phrase, I'm using this, in distressing emotions in the world. I didn't like the distressing emotions Jesus had to go through. She didn't say it that way, but that's really what she was saying. And I said, so what's your solution? She said, well, I want to live in such a way um, that, there's no, that I can help people experience no more pain in the world. So she, and I'm not, I'm not putting words in her mouth. She said this, but I'm paraphrasing it. I want to live in such a way to remove all distressing emotions from the world. That's really, that's really a Buddhist worldview. You, you remove pain by, you remove, you deal with pain by just checking it out. You don't feel anymore. Anything that you feel that's bad, you have to learn not to feel. Well, that's not godly. That's not how God made us. So I remember when I, and I, I thought, that's interesting and it's a noble venture. I want to live in such a way that everyone else shouldn't feel that way anymore. And I said to her, so it was, the, it was a friendly conversation. I said, so I, I tend to go to extremes because it helps me understand things. I said, so what would you say to one of the prisoners at Auschwitz? So in my mind, she's standing on this side of the fence. Prisoners are on this side of the fence. And I said, what would you say to them? She said, I would say to them that I'm living in such a way that this will never happen to happen to anybody again. Then they walk back to their compound and she leaves. I mean, I'm, I'm visually. And as I drove away, I thought, you know what Jesus is? Jesus comes to meet you, whether it's an Auschwitz person or you in your distress. And he says to them, Tell me what you're feeling. You know, and then what does Jesus do? He doesn't walk away. He climbs under the fence and goes back with you into the distress. That's where Christianity is uniquely different from every other religion. Jesus says, I'm going to be with you in those moments. I'm not going to try to make the world a better place so you don't have to have those moments. Because they will happen. That's the world this side of heaven. But it just stood out to me as like, no, that's where Christianity is different. We don't just tell people who are in suffering, we hope this doesn't happen again. We want to solve your suffering. We want to ease your pain. Yes, we do. But human distressing emotions still happen. And so the, the, the difference of Jesus is he walks into the camp at Auschwitz. He walks into your distressing emotions. He walks into your sorrow, your pain, your agony, your envy, your anger. He walks into those places with you and says, I'm with you here. I'm not going to leave you. You can trust me. I'm, I'm never going to leave you. I'm with you. So then practically speaking, so, you know, he never, he promises to never leave us, promises strength and peace. So maybe in those, and, and I, I said that almost in jest, but I actually was thinking when I was going up down the stairs the other day, Okay, Jesus, be with me in this. I'm distressed, but be with me. There's times where I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be anxious about something. I'll actually whisper out loud, Jesus, could, you need to be with me right now. I know you are, but I, I, need, to, I need to know you're with me because I don't want to feel like I'm alone in this. 
I mean, not that I don't share things with my wife or other people, but there's sometimes we just need to know, Jesus, are you, are you with me in this? Because I don't know how to process this. I don't know how to process this sadness, this pain, this, this anger, this fear. I don't know how to process this. But Jesus already said, I'm going to be with you. It's I, don't be afraid. Take courage. Trust me, I'm never going to leave you. Somehow those have to be etched in the deepest parts of our hearts because when those distressing emotional times hit, that's where Jesus, and I think that's where Jesus brings healing to us because we no longer have to believe the, the mythical hope that Jesus' job is to remove all dis- difficult things from my life. I mean, he didn't do that for the disciples. All but one died as a martyr. But what he does say is, no, in the midst of those difficult things in your life, and yes, God can remove those, and sometimes he does, but in the midst of those things, I will be with you. I will give you a peace that can never be taken away from you. I'm never going to leave you. You can trust me. Which is the hardest thing to do following Jesus is to trust him. We say we trust him, but when a push comes to shove, okay, Jesus, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to do what you tell me to do. I'm going to trust you, and I'm going to hold on to these distressing emotions. They're not going to dictate how I behave, because that's when we start to be hurtful to people. We don't love other people because we're so distressed. We kind of don't. But if we hold on to those situations, hold on to the sadness, hold on to, hold on to the, the grief of those kind of things, and walk into those with, and invite Jesus into those, he will bring healing to you through those things. Um. I've, I've told you before, uh, somebody years ago told me that I was being maniacal about something. And it really hurt my feelings when they told me that. And I think it hurt my feelings because it was true. I was, over, I, had to, I was overreacting to something. And I remember when I went home that day and told Kathy, I can't believe what such as that told me. I thought I was being maniacal. And Kathy, in her very honest but very loving way, says, I think he's right. <laughs> I was like, you too? You know, it too, Brutus, you too? But it's like, no, and I thought, okay, I can either process my out of my distressing, maniacal emotion on my own, or I can ask Jesus, can you come into this and bring me healing? Because I don't want to be this way. I don't want to treat people this way. I don't want to react this way. I don't want to, but you need to be here with me because I can't figure this out. And yes, there's, there's wisdom in good therapy. Yes, there's wisdom in good medicine. But in the end, do we really trust Jesus to bring healing to us? You can have those good therapy and good medicine may be part of the whole thing. But do we trust Jesus even to use those things to bring us to a place where we trust him and we don't let distressing emotions affect how we behave toward other people, which usually is unloving. I'm never more loving when I'm distressed, right? None of us are. But if I can learn how to invite Jesus into that situation... Um, so the question of the day then is, do you want to be healed? That's the question, you know. That, and when those, when those situations come, or maybe you're going through one right now, maybe it's just your simple prayer right now is, Jesus, you said you'd be with me, so be with me. And I've got to understand. I need to understand. Help me understand that you're with me in this. Help me understand what it means to trust you right now because everything in me is kind of spinning out of control, all right? Jesus said this, and I'll finish with this. He said, the thief's come to steal, kill, and destroy. Um, I've come to give you life, and life to the full. 
And you can have life to the full, and you still will experience distressing emotions. But the life to the full in you will help you live out of those and function in such a way that you will bring life to other people around you and not, and not stress and lack of love. Jesus said he came to give us life to the full. So let me, let me close your eyes and let me pray. So Jesus, we, uh, we're human beings. Uh, none of us, I mean, we're saints in the biblical sense, but none of us are saints in the terms of we've perfected every part of our reality. And, uh, and we do know the Bible tells us that on the other side of heaven, when we're in the life with you forever, you tell us there's no more tears and no more sorrow. And all pain and suffering will be gone away. That's then. And we know that to be true. But we also live now. And sorrows and trials and pain and suffering are part of the human reality because of the brokenness of humanity, because of the sin of people. So Jesus, we, we, we want you to walk with us in those moments. We want you to even shout at us, it's me, don't be afraid. I'm here, I'm with you, I'm not leaving. You can trust me. So would you speak to us in those moments? Would you remind us even to invite you into those moments? Because Jesus, we want to be wholehearted, full of life, kind of people and that's what you said you came to do and we trust you with that so jesus we love you um thank you for your holy spirit thank you for his constant work in us that he never leaves us and gives us peace um, and you've said it's peace the world can't give you can't take it away either so we love you and we ask all in christ's name amen so we take uh we every sunday we end with uh the lord's table with communion and we don't have this, but when I grew up, most of you, if you grew up in a certain churches, on the front of the wooden communion table, what was etched in the wood? Every time you do this in remembrance of me, at least our church was, it was etched in wood. Because that's what Jesus said. Every time you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, he said, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, remember me. And yes, we do remember his death and his resurrection and the power of the resurrection that's available to us. But sometimes it's good to remember specific things. I'm just going to tell you this. this when we put, take this bread and this cup into your body, remember that Jesus said, I'm with you. Don't be afraid. I'm with you. Maybe even as you're coming, maybe you have a distressing emotion that you are experiencing now. Maybe it's just in a small way or a big way or maybe it's something that you... No, you wrestle with, and just invite Jesus into that. You don't have to wait till you've cleaned it up. Just invite Jesus into that. So as you take this, the body and the blood of Jesus, into you, you're taking in the spirit of Jesus into you, and you're inviting him into that part of your life as well. All right? So Aaron's going to come up, lead us in a song to close. We, well, for communion, we just don't dismiss by rows. We just come on up when you feel led to. We'll offer you the bread. You take a wafer. And then we just dip it in the cup here. We don't drink out of the cup. And then most people eat it right away. Some people take it back to their seats. You can do either on that. So let me pray and then we'll sing. So Jesus, we're grateful. Um, the word Eucharist, which is used in a lot of traditions, just simply means Thanksgiving. So we, this is a table of Thanksgiving. We are grateful for you, for what you've done for us. 
that you've opened up this whole new and living way to experience God. You've opened up this whole new and living way where we have you in us and you walk with us to bring us to wholeness and to healing. And in the largest sense of the word, you bring us to salvation. So we love you, Jesus. We're grateful. And as we take this, would you be with us? Ask this in your name. Amen.